Good morning. morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Judy Connell, and I serve as a shepherding deacon in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. Loving God, in whose arms we have found our identity, come among us to direct our faltering steps in the ways you would have us go. Teach us to walk with Christ through the distractions that beckon in other directions. Turn our vain striving into meaningful service, our foolish greed to the fulfillment of sharing, and our confusion to clarity of vision that we might worship you truly this hour. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. Let us worship God.
As flawed humans, we hide our pain often and our brokenness. We make our mistakes, we try to erase them from the stories we tell ourselves and tell each other. The God who created us, however, knows our true stories and loves us anyway. Since God knit us together in our mother's womb, he invites us to live into our whole story, <clears throat> the good chapters and the difficult ones. So with that in mind, let us join together in the confession of our sins. Oh God, our lives are far from holy. The thoughts we have held in secret have erupted into hurtful words and deeds. We have not avoided lies and slander. We have given in to pessimism and suspicion. We resent people whose lives seem easier than our own. We hate the thought of passing on to those less worthy the things we have worked so hard to possess. Oh God, we need your wisdom in order to live peacefully within ourselves. In Jesus Christ. Amen. Throughout, the scriptures proclaim that the mercy of God is abundant, <laughs> so abundant that it overflows. It cannot be contained or saved for later. It is here for us right now. In God's mercy, we're washed clean. We are forgiven. We are set free. In the love of Jesus, we are loved forever. So friends, Believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. What a wonderful congregation we have, and it's a joy to just take a moment to greet one another and ask you to do that now. No part. Before we do that, we want to affirm our faith, don't we? <laughs> and then we confirm each other. Let's share together in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered in Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the good and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. <clears throat> Amen. Now we're in good shape to greet one another. <laughs>
Good morning. Welcome to worship here at Church of the Palms, just keeping you on your toes. That's what we aim to do here. We're grateful that you are with us this morning as we come together as God's people to worship our good Lord and to know that God is present with us as he always promises. And so we hope that you will sense that presence in the midst of our worship and that you will come to know perhaps some people here at Church of the Palms and get connected into our life. To that end, we always invite you to fill out the friendship pads which are in the pews and pass those along. And we hope that you will uh, perhaps through that find a way by which to connect with uh, a new person uh, in your life. We are grateful to tell you that 26 of our very own, 21 youth and five adult advisors arrived safely in Nicaragua uh, yesterday and uh, they were excited about uh, a great week ahead of them to be about mission and to be in relationship with our partners down there. So we're grateful for that and we look forward to their returning next weekend uh, and to be able to tell us some great stories uh, later in the month. So we uh, hope that you'll keep them in your prayers as they uh, carry out good work, many of them in a, in uh, a foreign country for the first time. So uh, this will be a big step for them. So we hope that you will keep them in your prayers. Perhaps you noticed progress is being made on the Palm Center. We actually have the semblances of a roof going up. Um, we thought for a while maybe we wouldn't have a roof. We just sort of leave it open. But no, uh, we're grateful that that is uh, happening. And we're just so thankful for your generosity amidst that. And thank you for your faithfulness, especially over these summer months, to continue to keep our momentum strong. So we have the resources to continue that construction. So we're delighted about that. And we'll look forward to uh, more and more progress along the way. And hopefully some roofing material will go up in a couple of weeks. And that will be a great thing. So thank you for your generosity. And if you'd like to learn more about the Palm Center and how you can participate, uh, feel free to see me or call the church office and I'd be happy to talk with you uh, about that. We are grateful today. Many of you are aware that uh, Kevin Kenny, our former director of operations, has found a new position. And uh, we were over the last uh, weeks and months in search of a new executive director of operations, and we found her. And uh, Pam Gillespie, would you please stand, along with her husband, John, please stand. We are so delighted to have the two of you here in our community. And for Pam, this is a return home. She, if you read in your bulletin, uh, she uh, grew up in Sarasota, actually attended youth group here at Church of the Palms, and uh, all good things come back to Church of the Palms. And uh, Pam has been uh, a director of operations for uh, two or three churches up in North Carolina. More recently, she's been uh, at her present position for 10 years, and she's now here back in Sarasota. So this is coming home for you, I know. And uh, John is originally from North Carolina, so this is, uh, he's going to the mission field by coming here to Florida. So, uh, but would you please welcome these two into our life? We are grateful for God's continuing to support and uh, provide for our people as we continue to move forward into the future. Uh, we encourage you to find out about life here at Church of the Palms on your way out the door by picking up a Connect magazine. That's uh, the August issue is available for, your, for you to peruse when you make your way home. Also, you'll notice the two cents a meal baskets at all the doors, and we would love for you to help us to continue to uh, make a dent in the world hunger by your support 
of that very, uh, very worthwhile offering, two cents a meal, goes to supporting hunger relief in all parts of our world. Let us continue our worship.
Let us pray. There are times, O oh God, that we are filled with awe and wonder and gratitude for your good creation and the many gifts you give us. When our eyes are filled with the beauty of a sunset painted across the sky and reflected in the water, when our hearts brim over with wonder at the precious little hands and feet of a newborn baby, when someone speaks an encouraging word with a warm smile just when we need it most. For all these things, we give you thanks. There are times, too, O oh God, when we are overcome with the difficulties of life that threaten to undo us, and all we can do is fall on our knees and seek your gracious provision and help. Help for our grief and loneliness, our anger and frustration, our financial needs, our need for healing, the pressing needs of our children, and with our need for peace of mind and heart and soul in this troubled world. You know all our needs even before we ask, but you love for your children to come to you and ask, and so here we are. Grateful that you hear our prayers, that you feel our pain, and that you are always, always with us. We know, gracious Father, that even with our challenges, we are a people blessed with much to be thankful for. We thank you for our families and dear friends, for our work in schools, for our opportunities for play and recreation. We thank you for our church and the privilege of serving you as Jesus' hands and feet in our community and the world. We thank you for the freedom we have to worship you and pray these prayers publicly. We thank you for the men and women in our military who safeguard this incredible freedom for us and ask that they be a light in dark places and that you bless them and their families. We pray for peace on earth for all. We ask your blessings upon Israel and peace for Jerusalem. We pray for safety and provision for all refugees that are forced to flee their homes and for Christian brothers and sisters in dangerous places. We ask you to intervene in the affairs of our country also, to make this once again a nation whose God is the Lord, a nation who reaches out to alleviate the suffering of others. Give each one of us strength, Father, to make the choice to love, to sacrifice for others when we feel least like doing so. You have set the example in your love for us that you have so richly demonstrated through the death and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died that we might live, and who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us continue our worship with a joyful opportunity to present our tithes and offerings.
Let us pray. O most merciful and gracious God, from whose hand we have all received so much, we ask you to accept this offering of your people. Remember in your love those who have brought it, and remember also those persons and purposes for which it is given. So follow this sacrifice with your blessing, that it may promote peace and goodwill, help those who are in need, and advance the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. You may be seated, and now we ask the children to come forward for the children's moment with Jacob. Good morning. There they are. They come from the woodworks. Just have a seat. All right, so I have a question for you. Who has really protective parents? Yeah, there you go. What do they tell you to do when you're in a car? What do you have to do? Buckle your seatbelts or else you're grounded. There you go. <laughs> I didn't have an ultimatum, but there you go. <laughs> Who plays sports? Which sports? Baseball. Baseball. What do you wear to protect yourself? Helmet. A helmet. What else? What do you play? Tennis. Tennis? Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you wear to protect yourself? <laughs> I don't know if I have an answer for that one. Cleats. There you go. Protect your feet. What do you play? Soccer. Soccer. What do you wear? Um. Shed guard. Shin guards. Good answer. <laughs> All right. If you play football, what do you wear to protect yourself? A helmet and a lot of other ridiculous stuff. Yes. And if you're really good at running into things, what should you wear for protection? You just said it. A helmet. And other ridiculous stuff, which my mom probably should have put on me, but that didn't happen. So I ran into a lot of things, um, but that's physical ways that we protect ourselves. But if I were to ask you, how do you protect your spirit, what would you say? Mm, tough answer, isn't it? There we go. Let's make it a little easier. So when you think about the spirit, especially when it's always in like the form of a dove, what color is it? Blue? Blue? Maybe. Rainbow? Rainbow? What else? White. Bingo. All right. So when it comes to white, though, what is the problem with the color white? What often happens to it? It gets dirty. It gets dirty, which is exactly why I don't wear white, because I'm a boy and we make messes. Amen. So I don't buy white, because I get very frustrated when it gets dirty. <laughs> but then the problem is when our spirit, if we consider it white and that's our color, often it gets dirty because of sin. But how do we keep it clean then? Wearing a different shirt. Wearing a different shirt, yes. Grace renews every day. That is a good analogy for that. So when it comes to our spirit, and we have to keep it clean, we keep it white, if sin is what gets us dirty, then the problem is, like, how do we constantly keep it clean? But yes, grace does renew every day, so you can put on a new spiritual shirt every day. But the other part is following Christ. And so the root word of Christian is? Christ. Bingo. And so when you think about the Bible... Obviously, it has the words of Jesus in it. And so when you talk about living a life like Christ so we don't get dirty and we don't sin, it's kind of walking in his steps. So when we make decisions every day, 
whether it's being nice to someone or helping someone in need or it's telling the truth instead of lying. These are all ways that make God happy that are basically ways of keeping our spirit clean. And so when we think about God on a day-to-day basis and the idea that grace renews, he also tells us he will never leave us nor forsake us. So when it comes to our day-to-day lives and the way we act and the way we talk and the way we treat one another, it's very easy to protect our spirit and to keep it clean by just following Christ and his example. Yeah? All right. Let's pray. (laughs) Dear Lord, thank you for this day and thank you for all of these children and for all of these people here. Um, Thank you for their desire to come here and worship and be in fellowship with one another. Um, I thank you for this congregation, for this church body. And we just ask um, that you remind us each and every day that grace truly does renew and that you will never leave us nor forsake us. No matter what trials we face in life, you are always there to pick us back up and protect us. In your name we pray. Amen. seated. I forgot to mention that uh, if Mother Nature cooperates, um, we'd love for you to welcome Pam and John out underneath the tree after the service. So uh, if Mother Nature decides otherwise, you can kind of hover over there in the corner and welcome them over there. So. So our scripture this morning comes to us from two places in the New Testament. The first from the Gospel according to Matthew, the 13th chapter, and then from Paul's letter to the Philippians, the fourth chapter. Hear the word of God. 
So Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. He said the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid and then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. And then these words from the Apostle Paul. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. <clears throat> No power seizes quite like the grasp of the gentle. No power seizes quite like the grasp of the gentle. Indulge me, please, in a couple of poems, both found on page seven of your bulletin. The first by Mary Oliver entitled, The Loon. Not quite 4 a.m. when the rapture of being alive strikes me from sleep and I rise from the comfortable bed and go to another room where my books are lined up in their neat and colorful rows. How magical they are. I choose one and open it and soon I have wandered in over the waves of the words to the temple of thought. And then I hear outside, over the actual waves, the small, perfect voice of the loon. 
He is also awake, and with his heavy head uplifted, he calls out to the fading moon, to the pink flush swelling in the east that soon will become the long, reasonable day. Inside the house, it is still dark, except for the pool of lamplight in which I am sitting. I do not close the book, neither for a long while do I read on. No power ceases quite like the power of the gentle. The second poem, I suspect, is fairly familiar. It's by Robert Frost, entitled Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening. Whose woods these are, I think I know. His house is in the village, though. He will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. My little horse must think it queer to stop without a farmhouse near between the woods and frozen lake the darkest evening of the year. He gives his harness bells a shake to ask if there is some mistake. The only other sounds the sweep of easy wind and downy flake. The woods are lovely, dark, and deep, but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep, and miles to go before I sleep. Leave it to poets such as Mary Oliver and Robert Frost to capture with their language those moments that have their way of capturing us. The call of the loon, the sweep of easy wind and downy flake. Leave it to the poets to point out to us something that we already know but often ignore, that the world is filled with these quiet, gentle callings, sights and sounds that beckon us away from our static and chatter and remind us that there is another dimension that surrounds us and, and quietly argues for its being the real thing. We have this log of moments, don't we, when we have stumbled upon the, the silent, gentle beckoning of creation. A hike into the mountains and suddenly you stop and you listen and at first you hear nothing, but then you hear something, whatever it is the old world wants you to hear, maybe a sound you've never heard before. Stop into the quieted, vaulted expanse of a cathedral and place yourself into a pew, and at first there is silence. And then from the chancel comes the sound of the gentle pull of the cellist bow across his strings and the mournful notes that fill your soul. Taking pause on a sofa with a toddler before you who holds in her hand a freshly picked flower and with her little voice she tells you where she found it and why it's so pretty and why she wants you to have it. And you wish not for that little voice to cease. Sometimes, maybe most of the time, maybe all the time, the creator speaks loudest when the creator speaks quietest. 
You remember that story of the prophet Elijah running away from the terror of the world, and he hides himself inside the cleft of a mountain, and the good Lord beckons him to the opening of the cave, and Elijah braces himself for the appearance of God, and so first comes the, the great wind so strong that it splits mountains around him, but the storyteller tells us that, that God was not in the wind. And then came the earthquake that moved the foundations of the world, but, but, but God was not in the earthquake. And then came the fire, the consuming fire, but God was not in the fire. And then came, finally, the still, small voice. And it's then that Elijah knew that God was passing by. The Creator speaks loudest when the Creator speaks quietest. So Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, the tiniest of the seeds, not much bigger than the grain of sand. The kingdom of heaven is, is like a mustard seed out of which, he says, grows the largest of all the shrubs. It never dawned on me that part of what Jesus was saying is that the chances of the kingdom of heaven taking root and growing and expanding are infinitely greater when sown in the smallest of ways. Much greater chance for the seed of the kingdom to slip into the cracks and crevices of your soul and mine when it's so small you can hardly see it. Jesus should know, I suppose, for it is how he entered the world, right? Born to a peasant couple in a remote village, laid in a cattle trough in front of know-nothing shepherds. You can't get much smaller and quieter than that. God just sort of slips into his world unannounced and largely unnoticed. Gentle Mary laid her child lowly in a manger. There he lay, the undefiled, to the world a stranger. God speaks loudest when God speaks quietest. So when Jesus comes to the tomb of his best friend Lazarus, John, the gospel writer, tells us that while it could have been a time for preaching and pontificating and, and explaining the whole thing, no, no, no. The biggest thing that the people took away from that day, apart from Lazarus' resurrection, was that when Jesus went to the tomb and came face to face with the death of his dear friend, John says, Jesus wept. Jesus just wept. See, the people said, see how he loved him. He's weeping. He's speaking without words. God speaks loudest when God speaks quietest. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus said. Blessed are the meek 
he said. Blessed are the merciful, he said. Blessed are the peacemakers, he said. We speak loudest, Jesus said. Oh, we speak loudest when we speak quietest. So the Apostle Paul, in a prison cell of all places, is writing to one of his beloved congregations. And as you read the letter to the Philippians, you can read between the lines that Paul knows that the end is near for him. He will soon be martyred. And it has been quite a ride. But still, things that Paul expected to happen have not happened. He has assumed that Jesus would return and that the kingdom of heaven would envelop the kingdoms of the world. He was so sure that by now the, there would be signs that the church of Christ would have a foothold in the empire. But all he has to show for it are some scattered congregations, not many more than what he can count on two hands, each a few hundred miles apart from each other. So with all this as Time draws near. With all this, what does Paul give as his benediction? He says this. He says, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And let your gentleness be known to everyone. Rejoice in the Lord always. And let your gentleness be known to everyone. Of all the admonitions that Paul could have given the Philippians, of all the suggestions he could have made about how to increase the size of their church, of all the programs and communication strategies he could have outlined on his parchment, Paul says to his dear friends, rejoice, rejoice. And be gentle. As if to say, friends, we speak loudest when we speak quietest. Rejoice and be gentle. Let them see something in you that they won't see anywhere else, that while the trumpets blare to Caesar and while the, while the buyers and sellers call out in the marketplace and while these people are complaining and those people are moaning, you, my friends, rejoice and be gentle. Let the small seed of your gentle joy creep into the souls of those who come your way, the still small voice of your gentleness, the call of the loon, the sweep of easy wind and downy flake, the only way for a tree to grow from underneath the hard pavement is for the tiny compelling seed of your joy and gentleness to make its way somewhere through a crack and below. Blessed are the meek, Blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers. Rejoice and be gentle. Because by now, Paul understands that the world will joyfully fall at the feet of Jesus only as we joyfully fall at the feet of the world. That the greatest in the world, Jesus says, will be the servants of the world. The world will only be conquered by gentleness. Garrison Keeler, humorist and former host of A Prairie Home Companion, 
About 20 years ago, when I was asked by Life magazine about the true purpose of life, and his answer could have fit just as well in the first century as it does in the 21st century. And this is what he said. To know and to serve God, of course, is why we're here. A clear truth that like the nose on your face is near at hand and easily discernible, but can make you d dizzy if you try to focus on it hard. A little faith will see you through. What else will do except faith in such a cynical, corrupt time? When the country goes temporarily to the dogs, cats must learn to be circumspect, walk on fences, sleep in trees, and have faith that all the woofing is not the last word. What is the last word, he asks? Gentleness. For gentleness is everywhere in daily life, a sign that faith rules through ordinary things, through cooking and small talk, through storytelling, making love, fishing, tending animals, and sweet corn and flowers, through sports, music, and books, and raising kids, all the places where the gravy soaks in and grace shines through. And then he concludes, even in a time of elephantine vanity and greed, one never has to look far to see the campfires of gentle people. The campfires of gentle people. It's tempting to think, isn't it, that with all the bluster and fanfare and talking heads, that somehow that's just the way the world's going to be, that somehow, you know, it's the loudest who is going to win the day. And yet all through the story of God, it seems that God appears in the quietest of moments and the quietest of deeds. A few days after Hurricane Katrina cycloned her way through the Gulf Coast, I was given the chance to make a visit to Waveland, Mississippi to see where the eye of the storm had come ashore. Arriving there, all that one could see were houses ripped from their foundations, cars overturned, debris scattered, all the worst things you could imagine about a hurricane. I was visiting with a family out in front of what used to be their house when a pickup truck trailering one of those little bobcat front-end loaders pulled up. The driver parked next to the foundation of the house, got out of the truck, began walking toward us. The family members asked me if I knew who this man was. No, I didn't, I said. So the man came up, stopped in front of us, held out his hand. Hi, I said, I'm Brother Mike. How can we help you, Brother Mike, said the family. Oh, said Brother Mike, I, I live up in Florence, South Carolina, and I just couldn't stand seeing one more picture of what you folks down here are going through. And I looked out beside my house, that little bobcat, and said to myself, I bet I can help them. So I hooked her up to my truck, drove all night, and you're the first place I stopped. Mind if I do a little clearing for you? Tears filled the eyes of my new friends, and the gentle seed was planted. On the way later that night, as our truck was weaving its way through the small trails of what used to be a neighborhood, every 100 yards or so, I could see a tent pitched in a clearing, four-person tent, six-person, 10-person, all with people gathered inside. 
shadows amidst the hanging lanterns. And I asked my host about these tents. Were these people the victims, the survivors of the storm? Oh, some, he said, but most are the helpers, the ones who came just because they had to come. The brother Mike's, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the campfires of gentle people. Frederick Buechner said that before the gospel is a word, it is silence. Love with the sound turned off. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And let your gentleness be known to everyone. For the smallest of seeds grows into the biggest of bushes. God speaks loudest when we speak quietest. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.